0: Hello and welcome to The Graphics Profiles, the official podcast of Graphics Pro and Graphics Pro Expo, covering the graphics market online, in print, and in person. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson. Our guest for Episode 53 is John Tarn, president of Extreme Marketing in Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, a full service graphics production company that does event marketing, signage, wraps, laser engraving, custom apparel, and a lot more. Before we get into how Extreme Marketing became a top graphics provider in a short time, I'd like to take a moment to let y'all know about Graphics Pro Expo, dedicated to the awards and personalization, apparel decorating, and sign and printing markets. See the latest products, learn new skills, find new profit centers, and get connected at a GPX event coming up near you in Portland, Oregon, July 19th through 20th, Long Beach, California, featuring Rapscon, August 18th through 19th, and Baltimore, September 13th through 14th. Go to g-v-x.com to get the full scoop, and we'll see you there. And now we're here with John Tarn, president of Extreme Marketing. John, one of the things that I've noticed is that y'all do almost everything. Um, I I met a couple people from your crew at the uh, Graphics Pro Expo in Charlotte. And they seem to be almost like uh, extreme marketing is a poster child for Graphics Pro from the standpoint that we cover all of these different markets or verticals that y'all are involved in. And I'd like to know what the history looks like that leads to having such a diverse uh, product line that you offer to your customers.
1: Sure, I'd like to love to do that, Reagan. Uh, I guess I need to actually go through some of my history to kind of segue into that. So Okay. When I got out of high school, I actually went and got a welding degree, and I was going to be an underwater welder in, a, in the military. Yeah. And so I started right out, and but I realized with getting that welding degree that I didn't want to just get a trade. I wanted to have a college education with it as well, so I took college courses with the welding degree. So when I got out of that, I was prepared uh, from a management standpoint for my next step, and I went into the military, into the Navy, and I ended up in electronics. The Navy put me where they needed me to be. Okay, I'd never done electronics, but I scored really high on it. I could either go to the nuclear side of it or electronic technician doing that. And I excelled at it. Uh, we went through self-paced courses. And for some reason, that just clicked with me. And so I was ahead of my time with the uh, the computer side of learning, e-learning, all of that. But mm-hmm. so I did really well with that. And while I was in the military, I decided I wanted to be an engineer. So when I got out of the Navy, I became an engineer. I went to a four-year college at UNC Charlotte. Also did some uh, community college work as well, computer engineering and electronic engineering. So when I got out with my four-year, I was ready for anything electronics. So while I was doing that, put myself through school, I did the GI Bill, but I also had my own business selling stickers. And these stickers, I would go around to gas stations and put in under consignment. Once a month, I would go around, collect the money, and that's how I would eat, pay my rent, and do anything else that I wanted to do. So once I graduated, I got hired on with a company that contracted into the PGA Tour. And through that, I ended up doing the worldwide logistics and technical support for the PGA Tour. So okay. there was a lot of R&D with that. I brought out one of the first wireless systems out uh, out on tour, which saved hundreds of thousands of man hours. So R&D was in my blood. Uh, from there, we, I started my own company in 2001 called Golf Sticker Incorporated. And Golf Sticker Incorporated was created to create golf stickers right. for events and okay. for tournaments for country clubs, okay? okay, so they could brand. So I did that in 2005. We became a licensee for the PGA Tour to do golf stickers for them, and that's where I found out that cash flow is king. Uh, our first uh, month in business, we did about between forty and sixty thousand dollars. And I thought I had hit the big time. What I didn't realize was you got to have margin. (laughs) I didn't have enough margin to just keep uh, the cash going and and buy new products. So I ended up having to go drive a truck, uh, 18-wheeler. So I started driving an 18-wheeler. I kept the business going while I was doing that and kept learning about business uh, management as I was going. In 2009, we rebranded the company to Extreme Marketing okay. with, an X, with an X, no E in the front.
0: we got you. We
1: trademarked it as Extreme Marketing, and then people started getting what we did. Once we changed it to Marketing after there, Golf Sticker is really hard to uh, show people what we did yeah. or explain to them. Uh-huh. So once we rebranded, we started doing a lot of signage, and I did a patent uh, that I – used to do some more work with the pga tour we started doing worldwide branding with the pga tour on that stuff with the patent in around 2010 i started getting into experiential marketing event marketing 2014 we really hit the event marketing and started fabbing our own trailers and from there we started fabbing trade show displays doing vehicle wraps you know we bought wide format printers everything you'd need to to do wraps and signage we had a shop uh we're traveling nationwide with about 23 whiskey companies doing their events all over the the country still traveling doing things worldwide with the pga tour as well doing branding with them and we just kept building into a full service marketing company. But what really started us into the manufacturing side was COVID. So once COVID hit, at that time, we were a full on event marketing company, mm-hmm. but all the events went away. So right. what we're, we got to do. So we pivoted and we started doing PPE, started doing sneeze guards, face shields, and we kept everybody on board, didn't let anybody go. And we became a manufacturing company as well. We started Mm -hmm. doing embroidery in-house, everything you could think of in-house, which shifted our business model because event marketing is completely different than being a manufacturing company. Right, right. So we, we invested in lasers, routers, plasma cutters, shears, more welders, TIG welders, MIG welders everything you got to run an exceptional shop and still doing the vehicle wraps and and that kind of stuff we added how many printers we had we also brought in color presses so we could do business cards so if you came to us we would be a one-stop shop well COVID ends and uh, events start coming back and we start pivoting back to the events challenge was we were full on into a production company and we had to pivot again back to the events. Yeah. because what COVID did to us. It actually mirrored huge growth because what happened was, let's say we'd have 10 events in a month. COVID caused us to have jobs, you know, 10 to 20 jobs a day. So it mirrored maximum growth. So we had to adjust all of our systems to be able to handle all that. Mm-hmm. our CRMs. So we're a fully digital company and we live on the web. Mm-hmm. We're a custom fab shop. We're an event marketing company. Mm-hmm. We're a sign shop. Yep. As well. We're a yep. merchandise company as well. So they all tie together to become one amazing company. All right. And then with that we also realize that people are the key. People move businesses, businesses don't move people. Mm-hmm. And that's our number one resource. So because of that, every morning we have a morning meeting with the entire team and we talk about our wins, successes, welcome everybody to work. We go over the numbers. Each department presents the numbers, maybe production numbers. It could be revenue numbers. It could be uh, invoices that are outstanding. It's, it's the entire business. So we can get a 360 view. hmm from there, we then go into a production meeting with anybody that's the stakeholders that need to be involved in that. Yep. And we talk about what needs that, what are the priorities for the day? Then we disperse out and we start doing our work. Uh, During the day, we will then have meetings based on projects that we're doing to define them. The scope of the projects, get get them nailed down tighter Mm -hmm. with that. Since people are our number one resource, that's our number one investment. So, we do what's called personal professional financial goals with every person in the company. And this is something I learned from my mentors. I've got a mentor, uh, Brandon Dawson, one of my mentors and uh, personal professional financial goals. We do that with every person in the company so that they can align their goals to the company goals. And we do that. And then we measure against those how they're doing. So we do a one-on-one meeting every two weeks with everybody. Mm -hmm. and This is their opportunity to, to talk with their manager, give feedback, any ideas, any challenges and what they're doing uh, and their wins as well. And Mm -hmm. then we also, with that meeting, we will go over their PPS. How are you doing on your personal goals? Because if they're not hitting their personal goals, they're not going to hit any company goals. Yeah. But we want them to hit their personal, professional, and financial goals.
0: So you see a definite tie-in there between those.
1: Yeah, it's it's direct tied to the company.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So it also gives us ways to invest in our team. So let's say we've got somebody that wants to travel abroad or something like that, then we can help them do that. Now let's say if they want to buy a house. Okay, well, we can help them get the resources and explain the processes that you're going to need and the credit ratings and how to get your credit up to help them succeed at that goal.
0: So have you found that this has helped um, with – Employee retention, yeah, that's that's a big deal right now because a lot of people are having a difficult time first finding employees and then retaining them. It's kind of a weird time right now as far as that goes. And um, have you found that this approach um, has helped retention?
1: Uh, yes, it does. It, it it galvanizes your your top pro- performers and anybody that doesn't need to be here. The culture will kind of show them the way out. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we want top performers. We want people to be here. We invest in our team, and we want the team to invest in the company as well. So we have our mission, vision, and values, which we live by. And what we do with that is that's our metric that we basically measure against. So to give you an idea, our mission is we add massive value through innovative marketing. And we'll go over what that means. We do that in the morning meetings as well. We all have three questions we ask ourselves. They are, am I adding value? Are we adding value? And is this activity service product adding value? So this is how we measure against any activities that we're doing. Mm -hmm. We do have an internal vision. We're working towards being a $150 million global marketing company, creating true success for over 600 multinational corporations with a highly aligned, results-driven, extreme team of over 300 members. So that's a 10-year vision. Okay. And all of that was done with data. So we didn't just pick these numbers out. We go with our past numbers from our clients and then we work everything backwards on what our goals and where we want to be. Mm -hmm. And then we have a set of values that we live by. And those values are inspirational, disciplined, aligned, self-motivated, customer attentive, and results oriented. So if I'm sitting down with somebody and i you know, if they're not hitting their what we call KPIs, key performance indicators, uh, then I can say, okay, well, where what value is that do you need to work on? Is it the value of being disciplined? Uh, let's say it's one of our managers, and a team member isn't behaving the way they need to. I might say, okay, are you actively pursuing the value of being inspirational to inspire your team to be better? you know, and being aligned, being disciplined, all of that stuff matters. Mm -hmm. And then we post our mission, vision, and values all over the place.
0: Where do you stand right now on that 10-year journey? Um, You you mentioned specific numbers that you you say is based on the data. Um, So where do you stand right now in that uh, that goal, in that vision?
1: Uh, We're on track. So we've had a lot of growth this year, and because – of this growth, this math of growth we've been having is cash flow. You know, the, the number one thing I've learned in business is you've got to have your cash flow right. It doesn't matter how much money you make because that's that's just a vanity metric. Okay. And then your profit is actually your sanity.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So you got to actually be making a profit. But even if you're making a profit, if you don't have the right cash flow, your business can fail. That's how these billion dollar companies fail and people wonder why well how could they fail well if the cash flow doesn't match up you're done yeah so you know this is a, a lesson i've had to learn the hard way which i think every business owner ends up learning the hard way because it just doesn't make sense when you're starting out you think yeah oh i just need a lot of revenue not the case you got to match out the cash flow every month it's good you got to be mapping it out
0: Okay, you know this all kind of goes back to what you were telling me earlier. When you had the sticker company and you were driving an eighteen wheeler, there was a, there was definitely a margin issue, and that affects cash flow, et cetera. So, how did you turn that margin issue around? And does it have something to do with the the meetings that you have and being transparent with the employees and making sure everybody um, is accountable and on goal? Was that kind of the solution for you to take care of margins and cash flow, or at least yeah. an important component of that? Right.
1: Yeah, well, actually, the answer is all of the above. So, yeah. our labor is the biggest uh, number that we have. Mm-hmm. So, getting that to efficiency. So, what we we went out there and we found out what's the, the labor percentage of labor for revenue on a normal sign company, event company. And then that gave us a number to start shooting for. You know, are we too high? Are we too low on our percentage of labor to revenue? and matching that up better because if you get too much labor to it there's a lot of things that can be happening one you can be really inefficient if your labor costs are really high up there and you may not be pushing stuff through your shop or through your production fast enough if you speed up how fast you move your stuff through production then that starts bringing that labor percentage down so you got to look at the numbers that's uh, that's the other big takeaway. You've got to know your numbers and you've got to be looking at those numbers for trends of them getting out of whack. And uh, the good thing about looking at your P&Ls, profit and loss statement, is you can start seeing these things. So you can start doing a percentage of labor to revenue and see how efficient you are because that's really all that is. It's just a measurement of your efficiency. Yeah. Just like profit, it's a measure of your efficiency. So once we realize that, we change some things like the gross margin on, on what we're doing with our products. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that if I have a dollar and uh, let's say it costs me a dollar to produce something mm-hmm. and I charge $1. fifty for it, if you ask somebody what your profit margin is, they're going to probably say, oh, it's 50%. But really, it's not it's 33%. Mm-hmm. The 50, that's only your markup. Right. And that's different than profit. So people start mixing those two up. Yep. And then the other thing is the cash flow matters because let's say I'm selling something and at the bottom line, let's say for easy math, it's dropping down. I'm getting 10% profit margin on that. Well, let's say I charge 50% up front to supposedly cover my materials. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't get paid in a timely manner and it's 60 days to pay you, you are actually holding that difference, that 40% difference. Does that make sense? So you got your 50% that you got down. Now you got 40% that's not covered. Mm -hmm. That's your labor. That's everything else. That's your overhead, everything else in there. If you don't get paid for another 60 days, you're holding 40%. So the first thing we did is realize that we needed to get money up front because when we're dealing with all these high dollar projects and signs, you better at least get 50. But then the second lesson was 50% isn't 50%. Everyone thinks, oh yeah, well, if we we end up not finishing, you know, because the customer says they don't want the project anymore, our 50% will cover us. That's not true. So you got to be looking at all the numbers, all that, that 40% gap that's right there can kill your business. So you got to be prepared for that. And there's different ways to prepare for that. One is either getting all your money up front. Uh, it's also having reserves, lines of credits, that kind of stuff so for, for your dips in your cash flow. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that what you're doing then? Are you doing, is that an all of the above type situation as well? Um, I'm, I'm sure that it's very difficult to get, payment right up front or are you kind of chipping away at that you know because most businesses um you know they they get paid within 60 to 90 days essentially are you trying to chip away at that and make it more up front
1: well we have so really oh. it's a mind it's a mindset okay it's a mindset so everybody says oh well you can't do that it's yeah. industry standard and then i ask well why
0: <laughs> right yeah
1: you know why can't i do this i mean yeah I mean, it's really communication. So you communicate to your client, your customer, what it takes to do the project, and once they understand, it's an easy change. Uh, it's just you have to put a stake in the ground and say this is the way we're going to do business. Okay. Instead of listening to everybody else, if this can or cannot be done. Yeah. You gotta you gotta look at it on on your own. Look at the data.
0: How do you bring those margins up? Because, you know, a lot of people who have graphic shops, uh, they probably struggle with that. And, and, you know, maybe it's in particular uh, product lines that they have that they're like, man, my margins are so razor thin here. How do I get those up?
1: Yeah, you got to add more value. So value comes from different ways. I mean, it comes from speed. Uh, The price is actually a value as well. So if I'm not charging a uh, high enough number your customer going to look at that number and it actually has a value in it. So there's a study they did with, and you probably heard this. Uh, they had wine, three bottles of wine. And they went in there and they presented it to some people for tastings. And they tasted the low cost wine, the medium cost, and there's one that was really high. And they had a taste test. Everybody perceived that high value wine as far superior the thing was, it was all the exact same wine in the bottles. The only thing that was different was the price. So, the price that showed that price has a value in and of itself. So, don't be afraid to charge a better price. So, you know, don't race to the bottom. In other words, we don't compete on price, we compete on value. And that value can be the way the interacting with us. So, our sales team, a lot of times what they talk about is okay, well, you may go over here and get this price for a little bit less we're higher, but you don't get me. So our business has value. So however we do business, so it could be our systems, it could be the time that we save, it could be the quality. So all of that matters. Did I answer your question?
0: Uh, Yes. And I have more questions, but you know what the music means. Our time is up, but what I, you know what I want to do is I feel like we've barely scratched the surface here. I'd like to come back and do a, uh, a part two on this. Um, I think we have so much more to cover, and you've been such a great guest. Would you be amenable to that?
1: I would love to.
0: Okay, great. Thanks for your time today,
1: though. Thank you, Regan. I appreciate your time.
0: Well, thanks again to our guest, John Tarn. You can find John's company, Extreme Marketing, at extreme-market.com. That's M A R K E T dot com. And make sure you stay connected to the graphics community at graphics-pro.com. For regional events dedicated to your business, go to graphics-pro hyphen expo.com or simply g hyphen p hyphen-x.com. The next graphics pro expo is in Portland, Oregon, July 19th through 20th. You can find this podcast at your favorite platform whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. You can also browse the archives at graphics-pro.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, adios amigos.